darling. You see, people collect all kinds of things. It doesn't matter what. I simply must know why. This is the Mothball Prophecies. Hello and welcome to the Mothball Prophecies. In this side episode of Mothball Miscellaneous, I am Samantha Mashburn. And I'm Spellcheck. And I'm Gray. Today we're joined by these two lovelies. Miss Melissa is moving, get, finishing up her house to move into her new home. And so she could not join me this weekend for interviews. So I brought my two best buds in mm-hmm. to help out. The editors. And Gray has literally no idea what's going to happen. Yep. I'm Which is great. Fly on the wall for this one and then I'll react yes. as Jimmy Fallon as possible. You're the Ben Kissel. <laughs> Thank you. So <laughs> today in the Mothball Miscellaneous episode, we are covering the final tidy ups of the origins of glass making in the Americas. Which is way crazier than mm. you think it is. Way crazier. So I call it the origins because over the course of this episode series, there's just been so much stuff that's come to light that really contributes to what we collect now in glass. We felt it appropriate to wrap things up and call these three episodes the origin episodes of American glassmaking. And then we will have subsequent episodes based on Fenton and Libby and Pyrex and all of those other American innovations that owe their success to this time period. Sound good, everybody? Yes, Sounds please. fantastic. I'm on the edge of my seat. Very excited. This is, literally, Spellcheck and I have been doing hours of research and have literally just been like, oh, shit, like the whole time. Literal hours, like mm-hmm. four hours, At maybe. Least. At least. So many notes. It's very exciting. So yeah, today we are starting off where we left you last time and kind of wrapping up with the Wisters at Wisterberg Glass Manufacturing. Mm-hmm. And we're speaking about the further successes of America's first industry, which was glassmaking. Mm-hmm. There was a few major events that we're going to touch on first that contributed to the economic prosperity of American glass. And that was the Revolutionary War in 1783 and the War of 1812 in... 1812. 1812. And this, coupled with European trade, embargoes meant success. So we leave off with these two things, because if you remember in the Wisterberg series, we were kind of ending at the Revolutionary War and the War of 1812. So what was happening at this time is because of the war, importation of materials to make glass was harder. And at this time, the Americas were harvesting materials for glass, shipping them to England, having glass made, and then it was shipped back to the United States. Which really is... That's such bullshit. Gas prices, am I right? What? <laughs> Who does that? <laughs> well, it, Why was that a thing? It takes like, mm-hmm. what, at least three months, right, to get across. Or more. Mm-hmm. Once, yeah. Yeah. So it's like a year before you get all your shit back. Yeah. Damn. That's Which was, we, mm-hmm. we, yeah, we touched on that in the Wisterbergs, right? Yeah. And there was a lot of other points in doing this research that like linked back to what they were doing is like a giant fuck you to England. Yeah. And that was like finding the raw materials that they could make for the use of glass. Um, And if you remember, there was a time, and we'll touch on this later, where Casper Wister was like threatening to make a potash factory to Mm -hmm. fuck with England. It was like, don't make me do this. Mm -hmm. Don't make me make all this money. Mm -hmm. There's a significance for that, and we'll get into it. So these wars contributed to the success um, because there was lots of heavy tariffs and trade embargoes. 
that made the shipping of those raw materials really, really expensive. And so in the Americas, they were like, okay, here's our chance to shine. But the British were fickle mistresses, and they imposed these insane glass taxes across both England and Europe, and that came, of course, to the British colonies in America. And these taxes were what, spellcheck? Well, first we have the window tax, which is literally a tax on windows. Uh, (laughs) We'll get into it. So um, Mm -hmm. from 1696 to 1851... Uh, to bring like revenue to the country and try to bolster the GDP, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, they started taxing people according to how many windows they had in their homes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what was that tax? Spell track? So um, if you had 10 or fewer windows, you had to pay two shillings a year. If you had 10 to 20 windows, that would be four shillings. And if God forbid you had more than 20. That's eight shillings a year. Um, and this, it it wasn't, um, so there were a lot of people in like tenement buildings. and These people were poor. Yeah. So they lived in apartment houses. Yeah. yeah, basically. But the people were taxed according to the number of windows in the building, not the individual. Holy fuck. Yeah. Or if they owned the building. Uh-huh. So most landlords would pass those savings on to their tenant by making yep. them pay for their yep. window tax. Mm-hmm. That's disaster. Mm-hmm. A, just atrocious. Well, yeah. And it turns out it's not that weird because window taxes happened in other mm-hmm. places too. Yeah. Because they figured if you were wealthy enough to have all of these windows in your house, you were wealthy enough to pay this tax. Mm-hmm. And the way it kind of worked in the American colonies is – Because the Northeast was covered in so many trees, people didn't have to try hard to find natural elements to build homes. The only thing they had to try for was glass. Because it was super fucking bougie. And glass was being imported. Mm -hmm. At this time, people were not using glass cups or vessels in their homes. No. If they were using them, they were very wealthy and it was listed in their estate when they died. So if somebody died and they had bottles in their house cups, mm-hmm. anything like that. It was listed in the estate. Like as a, a really important asset that, that they had. had money. Yeah. There were notable cases of people owning more silver than glass. Oh, wow. So they were drinking from like, I'm assuming, pewter and stoneware and carved mugs and right. bone and horn and all of that. Yeah, which I still think is just so or weird. waxed fabric, like canteens and things like that. Like they were using what they had. Animal, like, bits. (laughs) I can't think of the word. Intestines, stomachs, things like that. Animal bits. Sweet meat. (laughs) That is not what sweet meat is. I know. Um, I'm going to come back to the sweet meat uh, for you guys later. We'll revisit that. So they were imposing this tax, right? And this tax was so notable that it was written about in English literature of the time. There are notes in Pride and Prejudice and other books remarking on the size of the house and the amount of windows in Mm -hmm. the house. If your novel from that time includes a poor family with a lot of windows in their house, your author didn't do their research. Yep. Bing, bing, bing. That would be an anachronism. (laughs) Nice. So this window tax, both of these window taxes we're going to talk about are kind of after the Wisterbergs are creating glass, but also around the time that it's um, being like talked about in England. 
And if you remember, the Wisterbergs made glass that was green and they made window panes. Mm. Why is that important, Spelltrack? Well, let me tell you, Samantha. Please. So green glass, the the individual ingredients that you need to make green glass Mm -hmm. are cheaper. So the green bottles, (laughs) you could make tons and tons and tons of them Mm -hmm. and they'd be able to sell them and make a better profit. And, and not have to pay so much overhead for having them. Yeah, thanks mm-hmm. for that word. You're welcome. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. There's Pillars. so much less material in the green glass. Mm-hmm. That's so wild. the other tax that was a part of this glass tax fucking escapade was the glass excise tax. Now this tax is pretty unknown because a lot of documentation has been lost to time. Isn't that weird? There's like... Hardly any uh, primary sources about Mm -hmm. it. Oh, we forgot a fun fact. So if you are familiar with England or pictures of buildings in England, you will see lots of buildings with windows bricked out. Mm -hmm. This was a workaround for the glass tax, the window tax. They were bricking up actual windows in buildings to pay less taxes because they couldn't afford to. So in the tenement mm-hmm. buildings, you will see large areas of where windows were completely bricked over or covered. I've definitely seen that in photographs before. From That's the, why. Yeah. Okay. So um, building on that, mm-hmm. the reason that the tax, uh, the window tax was eventually repealed is actually because uh, doctors started protesting how unhealthy it was for people in tenement buildings to not have windows mm-hmm. and how disease was spreading faster because there was no ventilation. So yeah, they uh, basically convinced the government to let people have windows again. Yeah. And there was like Charles Dickens was an advocate of A removing one. and abolishing this tax. And this tax, one of them, was finally repealed in 1851. So 1695 to 1851, people were paying a tax on how many windows they had in their home. Damn. It's bizarre. Mm -hmm. It is very bizarre. And then there's a second tax that kind of overlaps this. So this one is called the glass excise tax, and it runs from 1745 to 1845. So this is overlapping with the other tax because they were like, oh, shit, we missed some things. Mm -hmm. So they wanted to tax like on top of the tax. There was mm-hmm. multiple glass taxes. Yes. This one was for any kind of glass. Um, so windows, bottles, anything. And mm-hmm. it first, at first, it was only for the raw materials to make the glass. The weight of them. Yeah. So it was all by weight. And then, um, let's see, in 1811, they started to weigh the glass itself when it was finished versus weighing the sand or whatnot mm-hmm. before they made it. And the interesting thing that we found with that is when it was getting to like kind of the end of this law, each individual piece of glass that was manufactured, whether it was for use or decoration, had to be weighed individually for Mm -hmm. the tax to be paid on it. Anal retentive. Mm -hmm. Wow. I even. (laughs) Yeah. There's no digital scales. This is like brass. Weights and measures. Those mm-hmm. scales are more accurate than digital scales. Right. But it's also like the amount of time that it, it was literally just like a crux to like fuck them over. Yeah. But they didn't have anything else to do. 
Yeah, yeah they, they didn't have, have to die from or like bones or anything. Polio or whatever, dysentery, <laughs> whatever's happening at Too the time. Too much time for boredom. The non-window epidemic or, yeah, at the time. The non-window epidemic. Yeah. So this is all basically from like the British being like, we're not making enough money off of this. Yeah. This makes me think that like most laws in history are just created because people are bored. And poor. Yeah. It's to keep poor people well, poor. England yeah. wanted to go to war with fucking everyone. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. they kept losing money because of that. Mm-hmm. And that's that's really where a lot of it comes from. Yeah, they were losing money because people were like shaving down money to have silver. Mm-hmm. And so they were like, okay, well, if... But there were certain areas of the tax that like were thoughtful in a way. Kind of, yeah. Like they were not taxing small manufacturers that were making like decorative small wares. But those tiny little pretty glass pieces were only able to be bought by the rich. So... yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The other thing they were not taxing was op- optical glass. Which, as someone who's blind as fuck, I can appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. We would have, sure. would have, would not have had glasses. <laughs> would have just been part of our quirks. I, yeah. Exactly. I would have been put in an asylum, <laughs> I'm sure. So that's Sam. She just bumps into walls, you know, <laughs> part of her personality. She sure is charming, but she's blind as a bat. She's blind as hell. He's blind as hell. Oi, Sam. Soup's on. It's your horn to get a drink. <laughs> Stop, please. I'm done. I have to. I can't spiral. So, those were like very important taxes because it was affecting manufacturing not only in Europe. It was in Ireland. It was in all of the places in Europe that were producing glass, as well as the American colonies. And we spoke about that a little bit in the previous episodes about how. The Wisters were like, okay, we're going to sell it here. We're going to do it here. We're going to do it here to start evading these taxes. Accountants were lying about what was being made and what was being sold. But they also were not making decorative glassware or tableware at the time. Most of the early glass houses were not producing decorative or like what they considered frivolous pieces of glass. And we were mentioning that like the amount of glass you owned was stated in the estate after you died, of what you were worth. Including wow. your windows. They were considered assets mm-hmm. and not necessities. Glass windows. Wow. And in times of, like, physical currency was not available, people would use window glass as currency to barter. That's how important it was. That's how expensive it was. I mean, glass was glass was not for any... No. <laughs> Isn't that bananas, Gray? <laughs> it's... Uh, irresponsible, churlish. Yeah, churlish, <laughs> churlish. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so they were. You know, this was kind of where this is where we start to see this lead off into decorative glass, because the system was in place until 1825. So during that period, the duty was assessed by the weight of the finished object. Right. So there was like thin glass that was being produced because people didn't want to pay the weight. Of this glass, where Mm -hmm. heavy decorative glass, like cut crystal, was gaining a reputation across Europe because people could afford to buy it. And in America, we couldn't create leaded crystal glass because we didn't have our own way of producing it. Mm -hmm. And that also links back to how glass is identified from this time period because there's no maker's marks. It's identified by what they're made up of. And mostly the identifying... Uh, Procedure? Properties? Yes. 
the, I got you. the identifying property is lead. Though, oh. so, depending on how much lead or if there's an absence of lead, uh, will tell you kind of where the glass might have been made. Mm-hmm. So leaded glass tends to come from England and the United States. And non-leaded glass is more likely to have come from uh, Bohemia, which is actually a uh, part of the Czech Republic, or it is now mm-hmm. the Czech Republic right. mm-hmm. and Germany. But Czech glass is highly collectible. It's a term, Czech glass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, the <clears throat> the difference of all of these glass was the contents of what they were made from. And glass consists of three ingredients. So we've got your silica, which is generally your sand. And? Um the alkali or flux, which in a lot of glass is potash or uh, soda. And then you've got your stabilizer, which frequently is lime or lead. So soda, mm. lime, glass, you will frequently hear of in like the uh, reference to Pyrex glass, early Pyrex glass, mm-hmm. soda, lime, glass. Okay. Lead-free American-made glass. That's the differentiation. The different, you know. Differentiation. Anyways. So. At the time, because lead glass was being made and imported to the Americas, Mm -hmm. right? Being made in England and then coming over here, Mm -hmm. it is an interesting mix to identify its attribution of where it was manufactured Yeah, because of the lead content. There would be a mix because of the imports. Yes. Hmm. And that's where like lead-free glass determines where it's being made because of how Europe and Britain specifically was uh, controlling what ingredients were going where. So the moral of the story is, though, um, don't eat glass from America or England. At all. It's got lead Ever. in it. Or just don't eat glass. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Even sugar glass, glass, you know? Yeah. We don't Rub keep shame here. No. That's fair. But the Mothball Prophecies does not endorse the ingestion of glass or other horrendous vintage items. Yeah, don't do that, guys. No. So this is important because as we move forward then we started to get into where glass becomes accessible to everybody as well as decorative for the wealthy Mm -hmm. Um, one of the things with the people that worked in these factories they could work on like little projects of glass to take home at the end of their shift if they got like their work done Mm -hmm. they could make window panes and things for their own house listen up kids this is really cool so there are different components that you put into glass determines the color of it. Um, and it's just, I think this is really, really interesting. I think it's really cool. Sam does too. Just listen. Yeah. I got my so, high eyebrows on for this. <laughs> if you want a green or a brown glass, you add iron oxides. If you want a deep amber, amethyst. Or if you want to decolorize your glass, like try to make it more clear mm-hmm. you add manganese oxide it was called glassmaker soap yeah because it made it look all pretty it's a thing yeah it's called glassmaker soap. i just i actually have to look this up though mm-hmm. <laughs> can i say the other fact that it does yeah. yes i'm Go. sorry i'm so excited that's what it was manganese and that's what makes it glow blue when you shine a black light on it okay because because yeah because the almost couldn't get glass. that out <laughs> I know, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Okay, listen, there's other colors. So right. if you want a deep blue, um, the reason it's called cobalt blue is because you add cobalt mm. oxide to it. Right. If you want right. a ruby red, you've got to add gold chloride, which hmm. I have no idea what that is, but that's fantastic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
<laughs> if, uh, other reds can be made by selenium compounds. Um, ambers and browns can also be made by carbon oxides. This is my favorite color. If you want black, you have to mix manganese, cobalt, and iron. Blue, red, and then the clear. <laughs> for dark. white, you want antimony oxides. And for Sam's favorite, yellow green that glows, you need uranium. Mm-hmm. Uranium oxide. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, white salt was potash, and it produced clear window glass. Another interesting additive. So this was the difference between like European and American glass and why the American glass manufacturing struggled to take off to the success of what European glass was known as was the use of flint, which gave us leaded glass. So when you were here, oh, okay. flint glass, leaded glass, mm-hmm. they go together. So we didn't have a way to manufacture that up until a certain point. So we were relying on England, the mothership, <laughs> to send us those things to make leaded glass. And that was kind of known as like the highest quality of glass you could have at the time was that. From my own perspective and not from <laughs> the audience perspective, because I think our audience is a little too old for that. But all I could think about was combining elements and crafting in Minecraft. Uh, oh, we got like, some lower demographic. Yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> no, my, yeah. my son plays Minecraft. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got it. I get you. If you're listening, go to bed. I he better not be children. I mean, he hears me say "fuck" at home, but it, he doesn't need to listen to this. No, but <laughs> yeah, it's that com- combination of elements that, and there was other ones where uh, Spelltrick and I were both like, "Oh, like it? That's in hair color." We'll get to that. Okay. Yes. Yes. I'm so excited about that one too. I like chemicals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> This is just, it's literally, this was us the entire time. Uh-huh. <laughs> so one of the workarounds that in early, like antique American glass and European glass was something called air twist or worm, like wormware type it's glass. so cool. It, yeah. I'm so excited about this. When we first read about it, like worm glass, right? It was um, this depiction of something to get around the weight tax. Okay. Mm-hmm. So um, air twist is a method of putting air inside of the glass to create a design while reducing the weight. It's air bubbles. Wow. Of the overall glass. Wow. Which is, and it is so beautiful. Please pause this and go look it up. Google it. Because it is so pretty. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So the thing that is so interesting about air twist glass is it has not been able to be replicated with modern glass techniques. Isn't really? that insane? It has really? not been able to be made that is since gorgeous, that by time. The way. Mm-hmm. You can't is do it with any kind of machine, and I guess people even doing it by hand, mm-hmm. professional glass blowers, modern, they just can't replicate it. Yeah. It is. I found this really great article. Let me see if I can find it again. Wow. Isn't it? So air twist glass is identifiable through a series of different um, things. And we found this really great article that I'm trying to find my link to. Um, but essentially, this expert walks us through how to identify air twist glass. And the one of the big identifiers of it is if the twists inside of the glass turn counterclockwise. That is the only way, or no, clockwise. That is the only way air twist glass was manufactured was a clockwise turn. They made everybody 
work mm. right-handed. Mm -hmm. And so that's why all of the twists are clockwise. Yes. Wow. It's fascinating. Mm-hmm. That, that is okay. just absolutely... I'm uh, just Googling air twist glass, like you said. There are mm -hmm. some beautiful patterns. Yes. They look very... or Just ornate glassware. Yeah. And the interesting thing was that the 18... It was 18th century drinking glasses was when this was made. And it was almost exclusively related to these glasses from the time period of 1745 to 1770. And it's a subcategory, right? So there was a lot of stuff we looked at that it was like different types of glassware and what it was called. But it's incredible that they have not been able to like remake this. Um, another like code name for this is like air trap and it contained a bubble of air commonly referred to as an air bead or an air tear depending upon the shape so the way the the air was put into the glass is there was like a rosette or like your regular steel rod that glass was made on right this is specifically in the twist part of the glass so the stem and it was um the rosette essentially punctured the glass and there was different types of rosettes with pins on them that they would put the molten glass on and then pull to twist. And so the different patterns that you see, if you are Googling this, is different rosettes or applications of the air twist used to create different looking glass, all to defeat that weight tax. And then somebody started fucking around with enamel. Ooh, and enamel. they started to roll enamel into this air twist method. So they were using enamel paints to put inside to create ribbons of color as well as the air. Yeah. And then there was some pretty that perfected this one that's called mercury air twist glass because people thought that it was filled with liquid mercury because the way that it was spun was just so that it was mirror-like and looked fluid and refractory yeah. inside of wow. the stem of glass. Super shiny. But it was just a big air bubble. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's super cool. Wow. What? So, wow. 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 <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay, now that we've covered this kind of basics of what the fuck was going on during this early, like, 18th, 19th century, okay? It's important because now production has amped up. The population of America at this time went from, like, 5 million people to 23 million people. Boom. So the amount of people that can manufacture glass. There was a lot more immigrants who were coming from skilled trades coming to the United States. And people were able to afford more glass for their homes. Okay? It started becoming kind of like a, a middle class thing. Mm -hmm. And most importantly is American glass manufacturers are now gaining the skill and knowledge and materials to start rivaling Europe directly. Mm -hmm. One of the interesting things I wanted to bring up was there's this distinction of glass, right? There's art glass, carnival, press, depression, all of these things, right? Mm -hmm. The simplest summary of art glass is it was just to fucking look at and rich people had it. Yep. Just pretty glass. So art glass was meant to not be used, only displayed as like a piece of art in your home. And that was it, which is just like so pompous. <laughs> I get it. I mean, we still do that. We have fucking curio yeah. cabinets, for God's sakes. We're yeah, still doing exactly. it. That's what, yeah. the, that's what the fine china is. It's not glass, mm -hmm. but it's the same thing. Yeah. So during this time, right, most glass is being 
poured in these furnaces, right? Which essentially have a big stoneware pot in the center where all of the materials used to make the glass are poured into, heated, and melted like a crucible. It is a crucible. Yes. Do you want to know how hot it gets? Please. In order for glass or in order for sand to turn into glass, you have to heat it to 1700 degrees Celsius Mm -hmm. or 3090 degrees Fahrenheit. Mm -hmm. Right. That's how hot. So there was these three main basic ingredients in glass. And here is the distinction of those ingredients with the temperature. Like there was different stuff was added. So these items that were used, we had sand, the alkali flux, okay, which was the potash or soda. That was used to lower the temperature, okay? Lower the melting temperature. Yes, And then the lime or lead was used as a stabilizer to make it moisture resistant during the process of being made. Because you don't want to have water in there. It's going to break your glass. Explode. This was important because we're moving from hand-poured, blown glass, Mm -hmm. now into glass being blown into molds. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay? Because American manufacturing is now becoming mechanized. Okay? Hand-operated glass factories are now becoming, yes, they're becoming like boutique, right? Like people were blowing glass maybe as a hobby kind of. But (laughs) now Americans were able to afford tableware, hollowware, glasses, cups, bowls, windows, dishes, literally (laughs) sweetmeat glasses. What's sweetmeat, Spellcheck? Okay, listen. So sweetmeat is not at all what you think it is. And it was purposely called sweetmeat. So that people would be deceived and buy it. But sweet meat is literally just organs. Mm-hmm. It's like the awful on the inside of the animal. Mm-hmm. So if something says sweet meat on it, run. Yeah. They were just like, this is a funny, jokey name. Yeah. Like calling a <laughs> well, tall person tiny. Well, it just reminds <laughs> me of sweetbreads, right? Mm-hmm. Well, thing. okay. So don't confuse the two. Oh. No, it was meant to like as yeah. a tongue in cheek. Like, oh, let's have some sweet meat. Yeah. It's fucking yeah. pancreases. Pur- <laughs> purposeful mm-hmm. misnomer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was not until about the 1820s when the idea of mechanically pressing glass into molds was conceived. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is where the American glass industry started to get its greatest success. And the most popular pressed piece of glass were whiskey flasks. And they are some of the most sought after pieces of glass by collectors. Mm. There was over 500 different designs of whiskey flasks at the time. I believe that. One of the companies that made them was called Boston and Sandwich Glass Company. <laughs> of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, the venerable. As it would be. So during the time of pressed glass, it's important to know also that they don't know who first started the patent for that. Yeah. So there's patents for uh, like uh, changes to the original idea of pressed glass, but there is no patent for pressed glass itself. Only speculation. Mm-hmm. Mm. Which is very interesting considering it was the process of the greatest success. At this time as we're having press glass, the company Tiffany is realizing we're missing out on some things. So they come out with a vase that's iridescent. They display it at the World Fair in Paris. This garners a lot of attention, mostly by wealthy people. They can't afford to get it. Or they can afford to get it. Poor people can't. So... Mm -hmm. A company in the United States that started to make what we know carnival glass as goes, let's make a poor man's Tiffany Mm -hmm. and display it at a place that the middle class frequent, which was carnivals, fairs, 
things like that. Mm-hmm. They wanted to have this glass be just as expensive as Tiffany, but people, if they were going to spend the money, were going to buy a piece of Tiffany glass. Right. An important distinction to make with a carnival glass, depression glass, okay? Carnival glass is used as like a broad term now, and it's kind of incorrect. And depression glass was like depression, carnival are two separate categories. And it was not just given out at carnivals. This type of glass was given away like promotionally. Yeah. there. I think the, the name really confuses people because mm-hmm. if you're only calling it carnival glass. Yeah. And it was cheap glass. So there was like the story spun about it that isn't entirely accurate. Yeah. It was promotional. It was given away in uh, with flour or baking stuff or when you bought a fridge. Like it was given away as items to get you to continue buying mm-hmm. that glass. So frequently um, depression glass would be like hidden inside sacks of flour so during the Great Depression, flower companies started putting patterns mm-hmm. on the fabric that they used for their flower sacks. And in addition to that, they would put these free pieces of glass in there, like cups and plates mm-hmm. and all that kind of thing. Yeah, they did it in oatmeal. You could get them at the gas station for filling your car up. Yep. And then some businesses would give away glassware to each customer just for coming into the store, which is like, a, where's that? Why is that I not happening? Some. Right. Yeah. So (laughs) wait, hold on. Go kind of side tangent. One of my favorite things that I got got a happy meal as a kid was was these these bat frosted Batman mugs from McDonald's. Yeah, that is. It's exactly like that. Yeah. Yeah. There was other companies that there was uh, juice glasses which were commonly filled with jellies or peanut butters to Mm -hmm. make people buy and try the new peanut butter. in a cup it would be a juice glass and it came with a lid and it was filled with peanut butter and then you were meant to reuse the glass i've never heard of that Mm -hmm. wow yeah welch's juice glasses like there's it was it's been a ploy for a really long time to buy specific things so that's how it was given away to people to start getting them to purchase this glass to have it in their home it was basically the original buy one get one free exactly so it and this was just a way that now we are instead of not being able to afford glass, now we are full blown like rabid consumers of having an immense amount of glassware in our home to prove that we are wealthy. Because this is where we're getting into the time of the bridal registry being created by Lennox. Oh yeah, they're encouraging women to have matching glassware if they're a good wife. Fuck off. They're encouraging all this stuff, and people are buying carnival glass to specifically mimic having Tiffany glassware. Well, it's it, it's like anything else, any trend. It really is when you get down to it, uh, an attempt to emulate the rich. Right. It's like that quote from the Devil's Wear Prada. Devil wears Prada. Where she's wearing this uh, cerulean sweater, and like, Meryl yep. Streep just like her character eviscerates yep. the other character. I mean, like you think you're so far removed from this when really you are the product of. Yeah. So, with that being said, we will jump off with the next series, incorporating these companies that benefited from the industrialization of the modern world. Um, to note, and we won't cover all of these, but some of the most um, popular manufacturers of depression glass were some and these will ring bells hazel atlas anchor hawking or hawking glass it was later known as anchor hawking federal glass indiana Macbeth evans 
Jeanette Glass, Imperial Glass, Lancaster Glass, U.S. Glass Company, Ellie Smith, and Westmoreland. The other thing is a lot of these companies use like similar molds and they were used in different ways. Anyways, some other funny things that almost made Spellcheck and I pee our pants. Um, yeah, I was I was real close to being a toddler. So there's <laughs> there's this type of there's this type of pressed glass called goofus glass. Uh-huh. Oh, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's where my dad got that nickname for me. Yes. It's pressed glass that's decorated with unfired enamel paint. And it was only done in the very early part of the uh, 20th century. Yes. Because some of the earliest forms of glass were decorated with enamels that were fired on after they were applied. But this is unfired enamel. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's the process is called goofing. <laughs> just just goofing around. Just, just New go- boot goofing. goofing off. <laughs> It's so stupid. <laughs> and I'm just like, I love that they had that name. Like They were like, what are you going to call this? Goofus glass? Goofus Goofin. glass. Goofus. The other word that I appreciated the use of. And it just popped up in an article as we were doing our research. <laughs> and it's, the word is dearth. <laughs> dearth means lack of. So they were using it in a sentence as like, the dearth of glassmakers. Right. <laughs> but in the 1980s, what did they have spell check? Because of falling fertility rates. They had a birth dearth. <laughs> the birth dearth of the 1980s almost ruined us all. Almost all of us. I'm, I'm in pain. Yes. <laughs> that is the wrap up of the early production of American glass our first industry god you just mm-hmm. rolled over the birth dearth <laughs> i spent plenty of time earlier laughing my fucking face yeah off. but i need i need more now sam we need, we need to spice up this episode we need <laughs> a little bit more i can't wait nobody's gonna know the amount of edits that have gone into this no but that's fine that's what you're here for gray that's, cut that's, all of it <laughs> punch it down it's just put it in the trash five minutes long. And say yep i'm sure yeah, the birth dearth thing. I was like, I thought that was like earlier on. Like they're talking nine, early 1900s. No, it was in the 1980s. So yeah. are the millennials now causing a second birth dearth? I I think that's an accurate statement. Because I can't wait to use it in a sentence, but people think I'm a dipshit for using it and not that I'm a mm-hmm. linguist. Well. Birth dearth. Oh. The dearth of deviled eggs at this party is really harsh in my gnar. You can't say that. You can't. I. You can't say that. Mm. <laughs> I don't think that's allowed. Your dearth of enthusiasm is upsetting. <laughs> Anyways, that is <laughs> enough. <laughs> I'm just gonna mute spellcheck. I'm kidding. It'll just bleed over into my mic. That is the wrap-up of a very quick overview of this industry. We hope you enjoyed this journey into these first little bits, and we can't wait to dive deeper in the next episodes of the companies that benefited from this industrialization. Thank you to my two co-hosts for today, Gray and Spellcheck. You're welcome. Co-host and audience member. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) My editor's going to hate that clap. (sighs) 
Cut that Anyways, great. Cut that great. I really appreciate it. Thank you, everybody, for listening to us every week. To see the items and techniques we mentioned in this week's episode, please go over to the Mothball Prophecies original on Instagram or themothballprophecies.com. As always, I hope you find some good shit. And please don't forget to do your research. And take some extra time and hug somebody. Oh, that's good. Nice yeah. job. All right. We love you so much, but we got to go. Okay, bye. Bye. bye.